This is the SI Fantasy Podcast. He's going to see his production decrease at least 15 to 20%, so I think he might actually be a fantasy bust in 2020. Head to SI.com slash fantasy for all the latest news, advice, and more to help you win your league. I look at his athletic ability, his explosiveness. He's very good in the red zone. He's able to get you those touchdowns. I mean, this guy had five touchdowns and 30 receptions. That's pretty much unheard of. Don't forget to subscribe to SI Fantasy Plus for even more content you won't find anywhere else. Every single running back in his first year as the featured back under Andy Reid, dating back to 1999, has been the RB10 or better. How can we go wrong here with the glide, guys? Here are your hosts, Corey Parson, Dr. Roto, and Michael Fabiano. Yo, what's up? It's your boy, Corey Parson, the fantasy executive coming to you from SIFantasy.com, the SI Fantasy Podcast. Joining me as always, my good buddies, Dr. Roto and Michael Fabiano. Doc, what's up with you, my man? I'm doing well. I think I'm doing better than Fabs because I actually have AC in my house. (laughs) Dude, it's been brutal here, man. No AC in the South Bay here, and the temperatures are not going down. I guess it's going to be a little bit better this weekend. But right now, dude, it is just boiling outside. But this area... I don't know if you guys have ever been out here, but August and September are the worst in terms of the heat. Other than that, it isn't really that bad because I'm less than two miles from the beach. If you go up a little ways, like into the valley, it's ridiculous. If it's 80 degrees in Redondo Beach, if I drive up to the valley, literally my car temperature gauge will hit 100, maybe 103. So the temperature difference is massive. So here it's a little bit better in the valley right now. Bro, people are just absolutely cooking. Aren't you Michael Fabiano? Don't you get people to fan you and stuff like that? <laughs> I wish. You mean feed me grapes and stuff like yeah, that? No, heck no. Listen, no, 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 Doc. I know you get that kind of treatment. I just don't at this point. Well, I'm the a doctor. Palatial that's estates. That's the right. Exactly. That's right. The palatial estates of Mark Bloom down there in Florida. All right, fellas. Getting closer <laughs> and closer to kickoff. So drafts coming up this weekend. Want to be able to get some information out there to the good people and educate them and get them ready to rock and roll. So today what we're going to do is we're going to talk some rankings and we're going to talk about dudes that are moving up in the rankings, dudes that are moving down in the rankings and try to figure out a reason why said things are happening. So we're going to be talking about some running backs, some wide receivers. We're going to mix the whole thing up. Also, don't forget FFWC, the Fantasy Football World Championship. If you want to play, go over there and sign up for leagues. No matter the price, no matter the expertise level, they got you covered. And coming up later on tonight, if you listen to this podcast as we recorded the day of Thursday, August 20th, later on tonight, SI, Sports Trader Facebook, myself, Bill Enright, Michael Fabiano, continue to get you ready for fantasy football season because that is important. But now let's head over to these rankings, which you can find at SI Fantasy Plus. And, Doc, I'm going to start with you on this one because I want to discuss, we talked a little about Ronald Jones last week when he, and, and mentioned the Keyshawn John, Vaughn, the running back situation with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Ronald Jones, Rojo is moving up draft boards, moving up in rankings. Is he moving up in the good doctor's heart? Uh, no, because he's really only a mediocre player, but he's moving up. I think that when I'm, if I decide to go with a wide receiver heavy strategy, which is not really what I'm planning to do, but you know, sometimes you don't have any choices during drafts. 
I'll look at Jones as my second running back. I mean, he's got the blessing of Bruce Arians, which right now is is incredibly important. The question is, can he keep that blessing? What if he fumbles week one? What if he blows an assignment week one and Brady gets hit? So, I mean, Jones is the guy now, but will Jones be the guy week five or week six? That I'm not so sure of. So I'm willing to use him as a an RB2, preferably an RB3, but... I don't think he's going to be there because I think he is climbing up uh, draft boards. And, you know, when people see the coach speak, Bruce Arian says he's our guy. People start drafting him higher. What do you think, Mike? You know what? I'm on board with Doc because Ronald Jones is not an elite player. And last year showed some flashes, right? Was a little bit better as a pass catcher. I think he had a pass completion rate of about 78%. So he was better. I still question him in terms of his pass protection. And I also question whether or not the first time he blows an assignment and Tom Brady gets drilled, if Arians pulls his butt off the field and doesn't put it back on there and gives Keyshawn Vaughn a shot. So I moved Jones up only because the opportunity is going to be there and opportunity is king in fantasy football, volumes king in fantasy football. And right now I can see a scenario where Rojo's getting 15 to 18 touches per game, but it's it's a bit of a, a volatile situation. Let's put it that way. It's not a situation where like, yeah, I mean, if you drop a pass or you fumble once, like say a Chris Carson last year, right? He, he did keep the job. I mean, Rashad Penny saw a little bit more work after the fumbles, but then ultimately Carson got the job back. If something like that happens to Tampa Bay, there's no guarantee that Rojo's getting that job back. So he's moved up, but he's a flex starter and he won't be any higher than a flex starter for me. All right, let's go to the place where Tom Brady used to play his football. That is with the New England Patriots. And I have been a big-time supporter of the young man in the backfield out there, Sony Michelle, who the New England Patriots took a first-round pick on. We saw some touchdown potential in his rookie season. Matter of fact, we saw some good running back potential in his rookie season. Then last season, that average, that yards per carry dipped real bad. I'm going to blame the Patriots' offense of line. I'm going to blame injuries, Dr. Roto. We got Sony Michelle falling down rankings, falling down draft boards. But you know what? I like it because I'm I could be the only guy out there, Doc, but I'm a Sony Michelle supporter. I think you are the only guy out there, exactly. I can't stand <laughs> I literally can't stand him. And I'm I'm worried about you sometimes. Dwayne Haskins, Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle, please be in my league this year. Look, <laughs> when, when has Michelle when did he run for hundred yards last year? When did he have... Doc, he was beat up last year. Oh, come on. He's beat up every year, and he's beat up this offseason, too. This is two surgeries two years in a row. I mean, this is where's the explosion? I don't see it. Where are the receptions? I don't see it. So I'm, I'm all choked up here, Zach. I can't yeah, hate a bird. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I'm telling you, I can't, I can't hate a guy more right now, this year, wow. than Sony Michelle. He is toxic on my draft boards. In your, if you're in a PPR league... I can't imagine why you'd be drafting him when you can draft James White. I can't imagine why you're going in this direction when Damian Harris hasn't really even had the opportunity. And we saw what this guy's capable of as well. So maybe maybe you guys can talk me into it, but I am way, way off Sony Michelle. Mike, Mike, Doc is is all hyperbole. Bring bring us back. Bring us back, Mike. Bring us back in. Real Doc back in, Mike, and tell us how great Sony Michelle can be this year. That's crickets there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I can't do it, man. Like I, he has shown flashes of potential in the past. I get it. He's one dimensional. He doesn't catch the ball out of the backfield. That's James White's role. You don't bring in Lamar Miller if Sony Michelle is right and you think he's going to be good to go for week one. They've also got Damian Harris in the backfield and every report about him in camp has been absolutely glowing. So 
Is that going to be a three-headed backfield monster in terms of guys who potentially could start, see early down work, see work near the goal line? I don't know, but I do know one thing. The only running back in New England I'm touching is James White. If Sony Michelle is there deep in drafts as an RB5, all right, maybe I'll take a chance on him at that point. But other than that, uh, do not want, my friend. Sorry, brother. I am a Jimmy White supporter. I am also a Sony Michelle supporter. But listen, I'm going to grab him late in drafts. Listen, a dollar make you holler. I think something could happen because I'm still looking at the thread. I'm still looking at the talent, and I'm still looking at the University of Georgia running back, and those dudes normally do well in the NFL. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. But, Michelle, this is it. This is it for me and you. This is the last dance right here. <laughs> Doc, you was talking. Me and you did a video the other week over on SI.com, and you was talking about zero RB. A lot of guys that go zero RB this year, I'm noticing them winding up with Kareem Hunt. Now, Kareem Hunt is rising up in rankings, mainly because it could be because guys are going zero RB. When you look at the baseline, he is going to catch some passes, can give you a thousand all-purpose yards. He's not going to take that job away from Nick Chubb, but I can see why Hunt would be rising up draft boards. Yeah, especially if you're going zero RB. Ideally, if you're in a PPR league, your two running backs are pass catchers. So it's a Kareem Hunt. It's the Tariq Cohens of the world. You know, guy, James White, right? Guys who can give you those points. Because when James White goes six for 72, that you're getting your 13.2 points in a PPR. And you can live with that. I think Kareem Hunt is, is a real good value this year. Because I think you can get him in round six. And I'm not wishing ill on Nick Chubb, but let's say Nick Chubb gets injured. And I think Fabs has been right all along with a lot of these soft tissue type of injuries that can happen because these guys are not practicing like they used to. So let's just say Nick Chubb misses a week or two. Kareem Hunt becomes a must play in those weeks. So I think he's a six round gem, but he could be even better than that potentially because he's got that kind of upside. Mike, when you look at the situation, right, I'm looking at, a, I'm looking at a guy who here's the thing with the with the PPR running backs, they can give you that that six for 83 in a touch, and then the next week they can come back and they can give you two for 14. You see what I'm saying? And that's the problem with guys like that. But I think Hunt is. I don't think Hunt is that guy. I think he's probably the safest of the quote unquote PPR backs. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. No doubt about it whatsoever. And you go back to the data from last year, the eight games those two played together, the difference in their fantasy point per game average was negligible. It was right around 13 points per game. Chubb had some really big games as a rusher, and then he had some stinkers. I remember week 16. That broke my heart. He was terrible. Uh, whereas Kareem Hunt was a little bit more reliable. And you see the touches, too. During that time, those eight games, Nick Chubb was averaging about 19 touches per game, and Kareem Hunt was closer to 10 or 11 but the fantasy points per touch average was way better for Kareem Hunt than it was for Nick Chubb. So am I drafting Nick Chubb in the first round? Hell to the no, not going there. Second round as my RB2, okay, you got me there. But in terms of a potential draft value, Kareem Hunt is going to be a much better bargain than Nick Chubb because he's not coming off the board until the fifth or sixth round. Maybe that's moving up just a little bit because Chubb is in concussion protocol right now. Now Nick Chubb uh, is on the sidelines while Kareem Hunt is getting an opportunity to run with the ones. And Kevin Stefanski may see some things because Kareem Hunt is an elite running back in, in the National Football League and in fantasy football. He's just not in a position where he can put up elite numbers. But I'll tell you something right now. He is a week in and week out flex starter who, who could end up being even better in certain weeks in that offense. I find that, yeah, and for me as, a, uh, me as a Chubb supporter, I'm still cool with everything you just said just now because Chubb shared backfields with Todd Gurley and Sonny Michelle and still was the dominant player 
in said backfields. So I'm cool with that. I think he's the better runner. Um, but I think that, like you said, on a point per touch fantasy basis, I can see why uh, Hunt would be rising up the draft boards. I want to go to a faller right now and go to the wide receiver position, young man for the San Francisco 49ers, who was excellent last year, and that was Debo Samuels, Doc. And I think I may have mentioned it on the last podcast, or I'm not definitely telling everybody on this one right here. Pay attention. Knock on wood, like my man Minnie Melnick says, etch this name in your kitchen table. Put it like this. It's not a name, but etch this in your kitchen table. If you got those extra COVID reserve spots, those IR spots that they're giving more of, commissioners are giving you more of this year, put Debo Samuels in one because when he comes back, he is a wide receiver in a Cal Shanahan offense doc, and those normally go well. He's falling down rankings and draft boards right now, but I'm all in. Yeah, Debo Samuel is a really talented player. And we saw that last year, especially as they moved into the playoffs. He just was was a difference maker. Now look, when a guy's got that red X next to his name, there's two things that you need to do, think about. One, panic and get get away from the guy. Or two, embrace it because peop, other people will panic and you won't. And I think that's the course of action here with Debo Samuel. Because let's say he misses three games. I'm okay with that because when he comes back, he's the clear number one receiver. Ayuk, Trent Taylor, Kendall, uh, Kendrick Bourne, you know, these are not the same talent as Samuel. So I think I don't mind if a guy is out a couple of weeks because when he comes back, he is a, he is a wide receiver too. I really do believe he's a wide receiver too in that offense. So if you can get him in rounds nine or 10 as your maybe fourth or even fifth receiver, I think it's fantasy gold. Fabs, Doc said embrace. This is 2020. We're all about embracing. We're all about inclusion. Are you going to be including Debo Samuels on any of your fantasy rosters? Yeah, no doubt about it, man. Before he got hurt, he was one of my top two breakout candidates at the position, the other one being Terry McLaurin uh, for the Washington football team. What Debo showed in the second half of last season is that he can be a massive, reliable point contributor to your fantasy football team. And once he comes back, he is the one. I don't have a problem myself drafting a guy who might miss two to four weeks to start the season, and that's because the discount's going to be baked into his ADP. So right now, if you're looking at Fantasy Football World Championship ADP data, Debo Samuel's around an eighth-round pick, right? I'll take that all day long. Give me Debo in the eighth round as my wide receiver four, and then when he comes back, guess what? I potentially have another wide receiver two to pair with my wide receiver one and wide receiver two that I picked in the draft, and then I'm good to go. And I understand that there's risk involved. We still don't know exactly when he's going to come back. We don't exactly know what he's going to look like when he comes back. There's risk there. If you don't like to take risk, don't draft Debo Samuel. There are people out there like myself, like Doc, who don't mind taking a risk because as yeah, a money fourth wide money. receiver, right? As a fourth wide receiver, I'll sit on him for as long as he's out. And when he comes back, well, giddy on up, man, because I've got myself a potential starter week in and week out. Yeah, I do think the risks have to be taken, especially in the hobby, especially this year. Listen, even even signing up for a league this year is really taking a risk. So you might as well go all out because we do not know what's going to happen. But obviously, of course, we are praying for the best situation. Um, Let's talk Jalen Rieger right quick, Doc, and I'll start with you. I really don't have no opinion on the young man. I kind of need y'all to to shape what, 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 what Jalen Rieger is going to be this year for me. 
Jalen Rieger is a talented player. I mean, look, he played in an offense in college where the quarterback situation was a little bit of a mess. But, I mean, he's walking into probably one of the best situations that he could have in, in, with the Eagles. Uh, Jeffrey's not healthy. And uh, they're dying for another receiver. And Deshaun Jackson, I mean, can he play 16 games? I, I highly doubt that one. So I think Rieger starts the season and he becomes way more consistent than people expect. Uh, I think we're looking at a guy who can catch somewhere between 55 and 65 passes. The problem is this. You're looking at an offense that runs a two tight end set with Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. You're you're looking at an offense that likes to run the ball a little bit there with Miles Sanders, who's going to get 20 to 25 touches a game. So I think Rieger is that player who's going to get somewhere around five or six targets a game. And maybe he gets four or five catches a game. Is that good? So we're looking at, let's say, four for 60. I mean, 10 points is okay, but that's more like my wide receiver five or six. He's more for my depth than a guy that I'm going to win a league with. Mike, I want you to talk about Regan. And after you speak on Regan, I want to stay in Philadelphia and transition over to that backfield and get your opinion on what's going on there. We're giving some love to the Philadelphia Eagles right now. They mistakenly won a Super Bowl a couple years ago. It was not a bad <laughs> dream. It actually did happen, Mike. But anyway, let's go ahead and break down Mr. Regan. It's funny. I always call him Rager, man. Rager, Rager, whatever the case may be. I guess maybe Tomato, it's just my, my whole Connecticut, uh, my old Connecticut accent there. But I feel like he's got upside. He's got a very good ceiling. I also remember, and Doc had mentioned it, that quarterback play, they played a freshman last year in Max Duggan. It wasn't very good at TCU. And he didn't have the highest, I guess, accuracy rate in terms of the ball being thrown to him. But he also dropped a lot of passes too. He's a bit of a raw prospect. A lot of people compare him to Deshaun Jackson. Uh, maybe he has the ceiling of a Brandon Cooks. I also, and maybe I'm just being a negative Nancy here. I always look, first round wide receivers have not historically done well over the last five to eight years, ever since that uh, OBJ, Mike Evans class. Since then, a lot of those guys have busted. And I think Rager's got more long-term potential than he does short-term potential. If Alshon Jeffrey comes back in time for week one, and that's within the realm of possibility, and you've got Deshaun Jackson, who's still fast as hell, and everyone's saying in camp he looks great. You've got two tight ends. You're running a lot of 12 with Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz. You've got J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Um, target share? That could be an issue for me. And where Rager is going to make his hay is in the vertical passing game. So if I get a game where he gets three or four targets and he connects on one big one from Carson Wentz and he has a monster game, then the next two games, you know, he doesn't hit for those big home runs. I feel like there's going to be some inconsistency. He's one of these guys that's blown up sort of on fantasy football Twitter. And I'm not saying that I'm staying off of him. I am just being very cautiously optimistic. I feel like he's a wide receiver four who in a best case scenario where Alshon doesn't start the season on time and Deshaun Jackson's not the same wide receiver. Once we get into the regular season, then yeah, maybe he could end up being the guy in Philadelphia. I just don't feel like that's going to happen in his rookie season. Fantasy football Twitter can be a wasteland sometimes. Bro, I, the, the <laughs> Keen Butler love last year, you remember how everyone, oh my, that guy was compared to Doriel Green Beckham for Christ. Like, like come on, man. It, he wasn't, he wasn't going to be a massive impact maker in his first year in the NFL. He probably won't ever make an impact. So I try not to get too wrapped up into that kind of stuff, but I, I do like Rieger's uh, upside, but long-term upside. I don't see him doing like much the thought season. of Rieger as the player, Doc, but listen, like I said, the backfield, Doc, is what is going to be critical in Philadelphia. The health of the quarterback and for fantasy, what they do with the backfield. Are you 
listen, everybody, the, the word is Miles Sanders locked in our guy, Christian McCaffrey type workload. That makes him a first round the dock if you believe that. Oh, yeah, he's a first-rounder. There's no question he's a first-rounder. I mean, I think what's interesting now is he's got a lower body injury, and now people are going to see that and maybe panic a little bit. So now, instead of him climbing up to number six or seven, he may hang down more at like 10 or 11, which I'm just fine with because I'll be glad to take him there. So, I look, I think this is a, this is a high-ceiling player. I mean, he's an exciting player. And he's a guy who's going to get 20 to 25 touches in a very good offense. And let's let's talk about something here. Nate Sudfeld is no longer the backup in Philadelphia, right? We've got a guy named Jalen Hurts who's pretty talented. And I think a lot of people in Philadelphia were a little shocked that they drafted him. But when has Carson Wentz shown that he's a pillar of health? He's not. I think the Eagles can actually win some games with Hurts and win some games with Sanders. This team, I know you guys aren't happy because you're Cowboy fans, but the Eagles are building it the right way. And I think Sanders is absolutely a first round pick. Jalen Hurts will be the team starting quarterback at some point this season. Oh, um, how about that bull take? Come on now. That's a hot one right there. Yeah. That's, that's flaming hot. Mike, you, you, you in with this backfield, right? You, 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 you feel this. You, you like Doc summed that up pretty well, right? Yeah, man, I dig Miles Sanders. I don't like the vague lower body injury. Like, what is it, man? Is it a knee? Is it a foot? Is it a thigh? What is it? I want to know. But everything that we've heard is that he's going to be okay for week one. So big sigh of relief. Let's just cross our fingers and maybe our toes as well and hope that the Eagles don't bring in Devonta Freeman. Please don't let it happen, all right? I just don't want that happening because that is going to throw at least a little bit of cold water on Miles Sanders' value. But right now, I agree with Doc. He's a late first-round pick. At worst, at the turn, you take him at the top of the second round. What I saw last year when Jordan Howard was out was nothing short of spectacular. We had LeVar Arrington on my show yesterday on SiriusXM Fantasy Sports Radio Fantasy Dirt. And, of course, he was speaking glowingly of Miles Sanders because he is a Penn State alum. But Miles Sanders may have come out of college with a heck of a lot more hype had he not played behind Saquon Barkley. <laughs> so Sanders has got all the tools to be the guy. And I feel like the fact that Philadelphia didn't add anyone into that mix rather than bring a, a veteran in, they just continued with Boston Scott and re-signed Corey Clement. That that tells me a lot about what they think about Miles Sanders. Interesting, Mike. I want to stay here right with you because you mentioned LeVar Arrington. LeVar Arrington was the player that put the hit on Troy Aikman to end his career. Um, <laughs> for real. Yes, I, I know. I remember. I didn't bring that up to him. He knows I'm a Cowboys fan. Yeah, and, uh, and Dexter Manley was the player that put the hit on Danny White to end his career. Dude, Danny White, who, by the way, my favorite Cowboy growing up, Danny White and Tony Dorsett, Drew Pearson, probably a close third, loved all those guys. If you watch me on SI.com slash fantasy video in the background, I got a Danny White jersey in there. I love Danny White. Feel bad for him, though. Him and Tony Dorsett both right now are really struggling with all of the symptoms with the concussions back when they played. But yes, I do remember uh, that a couple of those guys, a couple of former Redskins ended the uh, careers of my, uh, my beloved Dallas Cowboy quarterbacks, our beloved yes. Dallas Cowboys quarterbacks, Corey. When the Washington football team had that horrific uh, name. All right, so now here we go. Moving right along, Mike, the Los Angeles Chargers backfield. Yeah. So we all know I, Austin. I'm get an Austin Eckler jersey. We, we are, I, I, listen, I, Austin's the man, dude. I, I love Austin. I've, I've had him on my show. He's a great dude. He gets it. He is very humble. Uh, so I'm very happy for him that he got paid. And, you know, last year, even in the games where Melvin Gordon was, was back, 
We saw those touch numbers. Melvin Gordon averaged more touches per game than Austin Eckler. Eckler's going to see more this year, but don't expect him to be Zeke or don't expect him to be Saquon. He's going to probably get, I would surmise, somewhere between 16 and 18 touches per game. Okay. The Chargers coaching staff is not going to want to go after him and, and, and put him in a position where he wears down during the course of the season. And a lot of those touches are going to be as a pass catcher, not a rusher. So you're looking at that competition between Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly. A lot of us, including myself, really like Joshua Kelly and feel like at some point he's going to end up potentially being the guy who maybe doesn't replace Melvin Gordon, but takes the majority of the touches that he left behind when he went to Denver. But Justin Jackson has been the guy who's been running ahead of Joshua Kelly early in camp. So I feel like the ADP is going to start shrinking between the two of those guys. One of those two players is going to end up being a pretty good fantasy bargain in terms of their draft positioning because neither one is going very high right now. So it's very important to, I guess, watch hard knocks and keep tabs on what's going on in that backfield because if Jackson continues to be that guy ahead of Joshua Kelly, and I'm not surprised because no OTAs, no preseason, uh, Justin Kelly might start moving up and Joshua Kelly might start moving down. Doc, bring it in and wrap it up this Los Angeles Charger backfield. We all love Eckler. Kelly and Jackson, what are you thinking? I'm on. I'm a Jackson supporter. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me when you say that exactly, because I'm on Kelly. So let me just say this. <laughs> I right. think you're looking at a three-headed Hydra here. Oh, but the one head that we know we can count on is Eckler, right? Because this is a guy who is a supreme pass catcher. And when you see him on Instagram, you're like, you know he's ready to play. You take a look at him. He's in shape, right? So you know that Eckler's going to get his. So is he going to get more than 10 rushes a game? Probably not, but he's going to get about 16, 14 to 16 touches a game. I think it's Jackson and Kelly that we don't know about, but they're all going to play, right? So I think in the beginning of the season, maybe Jackson gets 10 carries and maybe Kelly gets six. But as the season moves on, I think it flips the other way and Kelly becomes more of the player because I think he's got, Jackson's one of those plotter type of runners to me. And Kelly's got some more zip. He's got some more pop and he can hit that hole and, and, and take it and take it far. So I think that's what you're going to see. There's nothing wrong with Jackson, but I think he's a grinder where Kelly's got that next gear. But look, Eckler's a second round pick. You take him in a PPR league, you lock him in and you're happy you have him. Fabs, tell me about this Washington backfield. Uh, Darius guys clearly out, out the question. Adrian Peterson. And then it's just like a whole bunch of, uh, you know, I keep hearing, I, I, I'm, I'm not fooling with it. Put it like that. How about that? I'm not. I'm not touching it. I'm getting McLaurin, and I don't want. And I don't want nobody else from the Washington Football Team. Is that right? So I like Antonio Gibson only because I feel like he's going to etch out a consistent role in that backfield as the pass catching option, right? So Adrian Peterson likely to be the Week One starter. You're hearing a lot of reports about Bryce Love looking pretty good, which means Bryce Love's got to be on the radar now, at least late. If he's your RB five, okay, so be it, because if something should happen to Adrian Peterson, I feel like Bryce Love would be the starter and Gibson would continue to play that role as a pass catcher, the Swiss Army knife sort of dude. And Peterson, listen, the dude is going to the Hall of Fame. He's one of the best running backs in the history of the National Football League and in fantasy football. But, you know, he's 35 years old. And would you be surprised if in week one or week two, suddenly hamstring pull, lower leg injury, and someone else is thrust into the into the spotlight, I wouldn't be surprised at that. So I feel like Love is worth just throwing a dart at late, and Gibson, to me, is, is in that RB3 conversation, flex starter conversation. I really like what I saw from him 
uh, in his final collegiate season. A guy who's been compared to Christian McCaffrey. He's much bigger than McCaffrey. Clearly not going to be as good as McCaffrey. But in terms of the skill set, can do it on the ground, can do it as a pass catcher. So I have I have seen a joke, like, you know what I'm saying? Doc, it was like um, when, when Washington was ready to change their name, they was like Dan Snyder was going to call a team the DC Redskins, and I was like, no, that's not, that's not. <laughs> you can't, you can't. You're changing that. the wrong part of the team name. <laughs> I saw it on the Onion. I found it to be hilarious, but then again, my sense of humor may not jive with everybody, Doc. But enough of my sense of humor. What do you think about the Washington Football Team's backfield? It's better than being the Washington Snyders. That could have happened. Oh, jeez. Oh, <laughs> what, what would the logo have been if they were the pretzel, you know, let's Snyder not do, pretzel? Let's not Snyder do that. Pretzel. <laughs> <laughs> so, here's the deal with why I'm not drafting Gibson. It's not that I don't like the talent because I think Fabs is onto something there. I think it's that I don't want to take him as an RB3. And he's probably going to go in high stakes leagues in that round seven range because everybody wants to be the first guy to have him. And then all of a sudden the value is not there anymore. And I don't want to be pushing Gibson because I don't know if I'm a, I'm a true believer. I like him, but I'm not sure yet. So I would think somebody's going to take him two rounds before I will. Adrian Peterson, I want no part of unless I'm in a standard league, which I don't even play anymore. So to me, I think the guy who has the most value is Bryce Love. Because he was a talented back at Stanford. I think people forget that. This guy had some game, but he just was injured last year. Wasn't now he like a Heisman candidate? Or was in the Heisman? Yeah, he started absolutely. the season as a absolutely. Heisman candidate. Yeah. yeah. This is a good this is a good player. So what I love about love about love is that you probably can get him in that round 14, 15, 16 range, and the upside is there where Gibson is going in around seven, and I'm already paying full value, which I don't want to do. So that's why I think for fantasy players. Go take Bryce Love. That's the one I want to I want to take. So I'm getting ready to close it out. I want to thank everybody for rocking and rolling with us. Episode number two of the SI Fantasy Podcast. Corey Parson, Michael Fabiano, and my main man, Dr. Roto. But I just want to go quickly through a couple of things. Like I'm in like the sports card trading thing. You know what I'm saying? So like right now, I'm just doing a lot of basketball, but I'm starting to get my football collection together. And Fabs, the person who I'm going to have the most interest in snagging up the most of their cards this year is going to be Marquise Brown. What is your thoughts on Hollywood Brown? Put on uh, a lot of muscle, I guess, and uh, added to his his body mass during the offseason. A lot of us did that too because it's during the pandemic, but it's, yeah, the, bad, it's the bad stuff. Yeah, I got know? mine in the stomach. Right, exactly. exactly. <laughs> so, so that's a good thing. I still don't see him as a, as a number one wide receiver in the NFL, like in terms of, you know, comparative to like a Michael Thomas, for example, uh, or, or a Julio or a Mike Evans, whatever the case may be, you know, on, on that level. But I do feel like he is certainly going to take a jump from a statistical perspective. I mean, he didn't get to 600 yards as a pass catcher last year. The reception totals are going to go up. There's been chatter that Des Bryant could end up being in Baltimore. We'll see what happens with that. But at this point, Hollywood is going to be the top option in the passing game for Lamar Jackson, who isn't a tight end. Not that's named Mark Andrews. And I want to see Hollywood be a little bit more reliable and more consistent because there were games last year where he just blew up, man. He had that big 60 or 70 yard passing passing catch, took it to the house and, and you were loving your stat line. And then for two, three weeks in a row, he didn't do anything. So basically, if he didn't give you that home run, he wasn't giving you much from a fantasy standpoint, but he also now has a full year of experience under his belt. So that should go over well. And we know that 
the Ravens are, are going to throw the football deep when they're not running it. And that's also a positive for Hollywood. All right, Doc, in the, staying with the same team, the other player I thought of investing in heavily this year is J.K. Dobbins. But we, it's like, you know, like the running back thing in Baltimore is always funny, but I feel good about something says, all right, you know what? I've seen Dobbins play. I like his game. They would be foolish not to use him in Baltimore this year. Yeah, I just want to get a touch on Marquise Brown for a sec. No I doubt. think in a best ball league, in a best ball league, that guy may be a wide receiver too because he can okay. single, he can win you five weeks just on his ability. No doubt. Getting to Dobbins, I like J.K. Dobbins, and I think it was a really smart pick by the Ravens because they didn't say, "Oh, we already have Ingram and Justice Hill, we don't and Gus Edwards, we don't need another guy." You always need J.K. Dobbins, but here's the thing: Mark Ingram is still there. He still was productive last year. He's still very good at the goal line. And I think he will be a mentor to Dobbins. So in two, in 2021, I think Dobbins might even be a third round pick. I just think this year he's more of a seventh or eighth round pick and there will be some highs and some lows, but I think lack of consistency is a problem there. So when you buy that trading card, buy it as an investment, not for this year. All right, here we go right now. Let's get ready to get through some final words before we get ready to hop out of here and get back with you after next week. Everybody, good luck in their draft this week. SI Fantasy Plus is where you go and subscribe. You get the rankings of myself, Dr. Roto, and Michael Fabiano. You can print it out, take it to your draft with you, and win this upcoming year. And don't forget, if you don't have a league, the FFWC, the Fantasy Football World Championship, we got you covered in playing. We got you covered in the advice. We got you covered on the entertainment. And we got you covered on the education right here. SI Fantasy Podcast with my main man's Michael Fabiano and Dr. Roto. Corey Parson, the fantasy executive. We are out.